That's what I illusions episode. Boy, I never know what the episode are, and I probably won't know what this one is. But this is our first in-studio show, and we have a great guest here to talk about a subject that, if you follow me on Twitter, you would know that I talk about a lot, which is gay Dumbledore. We have Colin George Babb here to talk to us about gay Dumbledore. Colin, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I am an actor, which is the most obvious blatant thing you can be in this part of California. Um, I'm black, I'm gay, which is, uh, you know, super fun double whammy when it comes to dating. Uh, and I live and breathe. I go a little too hard when it comes to fandoms. So Harry Potter is one that I, uh, yeah, probably let it dominate my life a little too much. Well, it's good that you're a big Harry Potter fan because the whole, I think the reason why I wanted to do a podcast on Dumbledore in particular is because I've been a big Harry Potter fan. I was a big Harry Potter fan would be probably more accurate to say. And uh, it's this, this subject is one of those things where you just kind of, it sort of eats away at the fandom for me a little bit, just for context. It was uh, like like the Twitter stuff. Yeah, I, well, we can, we talk about J.K. Rowling's Twitter uh, escapades in a little while, but um, what's really interested me about this particular saga? So, if you're not totally um, cued into the the Harry Potter lore. With when, as it relates to when this became the story, it was right after the release of the Deathly Hollows, and that was the final book in two thousand seven that J.K. Rowling told, I believe, an audience. It was at a discussion that Dumbledore was gay, which could be celebrated as a big moment of diversity and inclusion and all of that, but perhaps more problematic or just problematic in general, is the notion that we had seven books with this character, and I, I don't know about you, did you see a point, Colin, in Harry Potter where it was, became very obvious to you that this man was a homosexual? Um, so before before Deathly Hallows came out? or right. just Yeah, like, yeah, before so, the reveal, the possible... Before the reveal... Um, the only indication you could have is like, and that's just because of something that I thought about was just that he was single, but that's not the same as uh, him. Like, had, like he could have, like, I remember reading online that people shipped him with McGonagall and that they had like some secret tragic romance or whatever, or that he was married at one point and his wife died due to like in the fight, uh, the last wizarding war. But, no, there's, like, not really a lot there in the lead up to it until, like, you read Deathly Hallows. And then, like, if you read Deathly Hallows, when I read Deathly Hallows, there's, like, subtext, but I was specifically looking for it at the time. So I don't know if that, I don't know what that, like, really would amount to or matter to some people. So what you're saying is there wasn't, a particular page where you, you know, 
it was revealed that Dumbledore was like really into leather or something. <laughs> uh, well, you know, he did have a certain flair. He did like enjoy making jams. He did enjoy. He has a like. Okay. He has a sweet tooth. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there. <laughs> but really, that could just be the, like his eccentricity. But we, like there was a yeah. there was a time when eccentricity was synonymous with gay. So. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, plus his bachelorhood, I mean, just in the context of Hogwarts, you would have the idea that, um, you know, he was a guy who had, you know, supposedly given his uh, life to the school. So, yeah, it's sort of a perennial bachelorhood in that regard. I or, mean, Snape is a, a, very few of the uh, teachers there are married. But also like, yeah, there's there is that element to it. But you also since Dumbledore does like pay homage to or like call upon like other wizards like Merlin or Gandalf, you don't really think of them as like being married with kids. Yep. So it's like you, you overlook it. You might not even think, uh, wait, why doesn't this guy, why isn't he married or why doesn't he have a partner? But it is like his more humanizing the life, the fact that we are reminded he is a teacher and stuff like that. That might make you think, Oh, so like, where does he live? Does he have kids? Cause you know how it is when you're a kid and like what your teacher's life outside of school is like is all you can think about at one point. Yeah. I mean, it as it relates to the controversy over J.K. Rowling revealing it, um I think, you know, it's been twelve years since we found out that Dumbledore was supposedly gay. I mean, he's been kind of pushed back into the closet for the films, but just in the twelve years since that reveal uh, we've really had such a uh, such great change in terms of LGBTQ acceptance for so many reasons, and then you know it's it's hard to look back and think, oh yeah, two seven was twelve years ago, but everything was different back then. There weren't a lot of gay, yeah. I mean, it, you know, Willow on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Six Feet Under. Yeah, so like when Harry Potter. So here's why I like go a little easier on it because in 2007 LGBT rights and LGBT uh, progress and everything was definitely, it was always on TV. It was always being called in question. Like it was the post will and grace era. Um, so like it's definitely something that was much more talked about, but the, uh, it was still like sort of like forbidden or sort of still like in a weird taboo, especially when it came to children's media like I can't really think of too many children's shows at the time that had even implicitly gay characters other than just as a joke. So Well you say that and we had uh just recently the TV show Arthur, the long running children's show, revealed that Mr. Ratburn Yes, in two thousand nineteen. Right. But Arthur had but, I, but back in two thousand nine, I don't think that was at the forefront of Arthur's creators' minds. No, or, and and the, the, the matter of factness which with which he his uh it was a very unmomentous I don't think uh I think the show sort of played it very subtly, Arthur that is, because they don't want to make a big deal of it, but back in 2007, it would have been, obviously... It would have been, like, a really... You would have heard it on CNN. You have heard it on, like, all these different news outlets. You would have heard... You have had probably would have heard petitions to cancel the show, um, but fortunately, it had been on since the 90s, so it wasn't going anywhere. I think that's... I think its longevity has definitely helped with it to be able to say, yeah, we've been around 20 years. We're not going anywhere. We can do whatever we want at this point. Right. Well, that context is also interesting if you think about um, 
The documentary Won't You Be My Neighbor about Mr. Rogers has made a lot of national waves over the past year, and a big part of that narrative is just the notion that uh, Officer Clemens was portrayed by a gay man, and that was um, not not talked about on the show. So from there to now, and Arthur, a lot of decades in the process. So, I mean, when as it relates to Harry Potter... It is, you know, it's the great sort of frustration for members of the LGBTQ community to have to be in the position where, yeah, Colin and I can probably get how, despite the fact that it doesn't really make sense that, you know, we have to hide who we are in the sake of some sort of broader public decency, sort of statements that are so offensive now. But Yeah, I mean, I remember, because... When this happened, I was about 12 years old and I was starting to like, like start, I was at the point where I was starting to question my sexuality, starting to understand things. And I loved Harry Potter at this point. I was in line at Borders, <sighs> Borders, uh, I was in line <laughs> at Borders for the midnight releases of the books. I saw all the movies um, and I had, but like for, at the time in the place I was living in, being gay, it was like the worst thing that you could be it was like such it was such a sign of weakness or such a sign of sin or evil or all that stuff so and again this is that time period where in kids media you don't mention anything gay unless it's some weird coded character that you're just supposed to laugh at or implicitly dislike so the fact that jk rowling said dumbledore was gay and again i'm 12 years old at the time she said he was gay and this is the like one of the most powerful characters in a in a piece of media that I really enjoy. That was enough for me to think that oh wow, there are people that exist that can be liked for being gay or can do think can be something other than being gay. That was like yeah, and again so it, it was it was a big deal to you. It was a big deal. It was a different time. I was younger, and J.K. Rowling was at a different place in her career. So yeah, and this was really was for the most part uncharted territory. Um, we've come a long way since then. Uh, and yeah, that's so it did mean something to me at the time. So just, just from a Ben and now perspective, um, what, what, what's like a piece of recent, uh, filmmaking that evoked the same reaction from you for its representation qualities, either like this year or last year or uh, year, recently. Recently, that would have been Love, Simon. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Wait, is it just like on LGBT reaction or is it just like any reaction? Any, to Michael- any, oh, any, any, so any for the sake of representation. Love, Simon and Black Panther are the biggest ones because Love, Simon was the first teen romp comedy, right. like John Hughes style movie where the main character is gay and it's about his struggle. And I remember watching it in the theater with my best friend who's also recently uh, been having a identity struggle. And we were both like watching and relating and laughing about the awkwardness or like the cringy moments that we'd been through. And Black Panther did that for me for my identity as a black man because I had seen, like when I saw, I saw it at El Capitan on, on its premiere date and Every person in that theater was black. I have never been to a theater. I've never had a theater experience like that before. Um, And I'm a huge sci-fi nerd. So the fact that this is a glorious 
Afro-futuristic, uh, like cyberpunk world with bright colors in an African setting that was like, I've never seen that before. I know a lot of people in that theater had never seen that before. And it was like, oh shit, this is new possibility. Or at least they're like, this is a big budget movie that is showing all these amazing possibilities. And that was like a really beautiful moment for me. And then later that year he got dusted. And that one, that one really yeah, hurt. Two, mon- two months later. That really hurts. <laughs> it was probably pretty clear that they weren't going to kill all the the phase four people. No, I know, I know, but still, it just it was just it was watch- Rocket, Rocket Raccoon and Captain Marvel keep them around. It was just watching it happen. Yeah, to hurt. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting, especially I felt a lot of the I I felt like that about Love Simon uh, for a lot of the same reasons. Uh, also, just kind of how. It wasn't. It, it wasn't sort of pioneering. Like uh, I, I just recently saw Booksmart, which uh, has a has a gay lead, and it's treated very sort of matter of factly. Love Simon, obviously, being gay plays a big part of that narrative, but it was kind yeah. of in the vein of a John Hughes style coming of age moment. It was really powerful as it relates to gay Dumbledore. Um, ah, one of like the big big struggles right now in representation is because it, it, it we're, we're at a sort of a moment in popular culture where not only not only is it where it's it's maybe it's less a big deal to have a gay character than it is uh it's becoming a big deal to have no inclusion at all and we're going to talk about marvel a little bit later but <laughs> just um for me, I, I don't get... You see shows where they take a character who maybe wasn't gay before, and now they're bisexual, or, or now they're gay, and I don't want to, like, sit and think to myself, oh, you know, the show must have X number of characters. But they're really... They're, they're trying to do something. They're trying to make a statement about it. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I... I as much as I want to be cynical about quotas or, like, having the representation... Sometimes sometimes you need to, that's the only way you're going to see yourself reflected in any capacity is if you get forced into it or if it's forced upon you to consider, Oh, right. These people exist. Like uh, a friend of mine and I were talking about the Ray, the show. Uh, uh, it's, it's about a DC hero. He's apparently openly gay. I haven't checked it out, but I've been meaning to, it's an animated series. And he was telling me that in the first scene, uh, is about him coming to his parents and he's just like, Hey, and like my friend was like, Hey, I'm all cool with him being gay and everything, but why does he need to like, why do we need to have it like right there where he's coming out to his parents? And and I'm just like, well, you know, it's not really so much for you as it would be for someone like me. Who's never, who maybe their coming out experience wasn't too positive or they don't know how to say or word it to someone, or maybe it is for your benefit because, clearly like you don't think it bothers you that he's gay but on some level it kind of does if you feel like you don't need to you don't want to see like this very important very part of his life that a lot of other gay people go through so uh so yeah sometimes that's the only way it's like that people are going to remember that yeah queer people are there we exist we breathe we save the world Right, and those, I mean, just that was something that Love, Simon had done very well, was it uh, It portrayed an awkward coming out. I, you know, it, it's coming out as one of the most sort of awkward, horrible things that uh, needs to be done. Yeah. 
I, I don't personally look back on mine with uh, a lot of uh, fond feel. It's just, uh, you, you just, it sucks. And that's one thing that, that fiction can help us with because um, just like how Bre- The Breakfast Club and Sixteen Candles and Pretty in Pink all kind of say, you know, teenage years are awkward and all that, it's nice to have these narratives that say coming out is like that too, but also just from the perspective of um, whether or not coming out, whether or not those scenes are still seen as taboo or whatnot, when we have Gay Dumbledore, we have this instance where a character can be gay in a, in a broader general public knowledge sense, but he can't really be gay on the page. Well, there's, um, and this is why, like, the more, because I, I reread the the entirety of the series at least twice a year. So as I go through Deathly Hallows, again, part of this is what I want to see there, but there is, like, a subtext as, so, uh, for clarification, in Deathly Hallows, um, Rita Skeeter, this reporter, this she's really, like, more like a Harvey Levin TMZ style uh, journalist in the wizarding world. She, after Dumbledore dies, she writes a tell all book about his life. That is like, it's partially true, but she embellishes a lot of shit. And uh, part of, and so like when it comes to discussing his relationship with uh, another wizard, Gellert Grindelwald, um, like it goes into detail on the nature of their relationship and, how they corresponded and how they interacted with each other and how they refused to like really take a stand against each other. And while some people would read that in as like a very powerful friendship, I saw it as romantic as like they did have like, it's all, but for me, like reading it, it's all but said that they were lovers. And then JK Rowling came out afterwards and said kind of like, I rained on my parade a bit by saying that like, so that's where I was like getting the gay subtext for me. But she said that it was a one-sided thing where Dumbledore had feelings for Grindelwald, but Grindelwald didn't reciprocate the romantic feelings, but knew how to manipulate Dumbledore. And then that mess with Dumbledore's head. And I remember reading that as a kid and well, not like all of that, but just like reading about Grindelwald and Dumbledore's relationship and seeing it as, okay, I saw something there. I chose to see something there. Maybe I was looking for it. Maybe that was her intention all along. Uh, I don't know. But for me, that's where it's like, if if it weren't for those scenes in the books, if it weren't for hearing about Dumbledore and Grindelwald's relationship in the books, um, if that wasn't included at all, I would say that, yeah, his sexuality is coming right the fuck out of nowhere. But I don't know. Because because of those things, because I feel like J.K. Rowling does have a bit more of a lake to stand on than people would give her credit for. Um, but again, that could just be my interpretation. That's how I saw their relationship. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting you frame it from that perspective because uh, I've always viewed the Dumbledore reveal as a retcon. Um, foreshadowing isn't necessarily uh it's not even it's hard to call it foreshadowing i mean clearly there was something that she was going for there maybe like a a nod or however you want from a you know tabloid gossip style perspective of oh here are these two guys and they're boning uh it's on seven so this is such a big deal it's gonna (laughs) ruin this guy he's gonna have to resign 
in disgrace because he likes men and all of that kind of stuff. It's um, it's been known to happen. Sure, but I guess so. So Dumbledore has been kind of looked as a role model throughout the series yes. for uh, people, and we we're really supposed to like. Um, we're supposed to look up to this man, and. As a gay person, we, uh, you know, I, I sort of feel a kindred connection to a lot of the gay characters in series. Not all of them. If you're a longtime listener of the show, to drop a Game of Thrones reference, um, despite being a big Stannis Baratheon fan, I do have a soft spot for Renly just because he's a gay. Uh, I call it, I did an article called Renly Baratheon Queer Icon. Um, I just. Dumbledore doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would stay in the closet, given how much of a contrarian he is on seemingly every other type of... I, I think he would... If the Ministry of Magic said, Dumbledore, you can't be gay and headmaster, he would say, well, you know, piss off or something. Well, okay, so to take you on a stroll through the windmills of my mind and just show you how my mind operates... Uh, Part of me was like I I am very I'm rather forgiving, and yeah I I can I'm a bit of a J.K. Rowling apologist I I accept that, um, but I just we have diversity of opinion here. <laughs> I just figured okay the books are told from Harry's perspective, and it's it would be I thought I think to myself it would be really awkward to have a coming out scene because when Harry and Dumbledore do talk and do interact, it's about much more serious things than Dumbledore saying, oh, by the way, Harry, I'm gay. Like, oh, that's an interesting thing for you to tell me as we're about to go find one of Voldemort's Satan relics in this abandoned cave. And yet Ron and Hermione have a relationship. And yet Ron and Hermione do have a relationship. So, but again, that's like, let's take us back to 2007. That's cute. Oh, that's so cute. They like have these stolen moments. Oh, they're and holding poor hands. Poor Victor Crumb. Let's not forget about him. Oh my good. Well, we could do it in one one day. One day no, you'll no have Victor Crumb. You'll have me back to talk about how he was done dirty by the books. Yeah, you can tear a king. <laughs> I, I won't be doing that one. Um, <laughs> but again, so just because the book was written in two thousand seven, I would like to think that it was just like Dumbledore's coming out was just played as safely as they could have made it for the time. And like, yeah, for the time, for for the the time, for the time, for the time time. since then is a bit of a different story. That's exactly, but let's so, okay. So you, we can talk, we can do the, I can justify and do a lot of things for Dumbledore for 2007, JK Rowling, 2007, Dumbledore and all that. I can do that. But since then, if you want to talk about what I think you want to talk about, the crimes of Grindelwald and how that has played out, that is where my allegiance falters quite a bit. Okay, so for a bit of context, if you're not a connoisseur of gay Dumbledore uh, news... What are you just doing with your life? Yeah, and you're just tuning in because you love Estradi Illusions. So... As everybody knows, there have been Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find the Movies. The first one came out, what, like 2012 or something? Um, 2016, I would say. Wow, time flies. That Yeah, that sounds a lot better than 2012. I don't... Yeah, okay. Um, so the... the 
Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them come out in 2016, and the first one doesn't have Dumbledore, so... Fair enough. Uh, it's not It's not at Hogwarts. It's not, you know, that story. No, and it doesn't have, it doesn't have Grindelwald either, I yeah. don't think. Um, <laughs> well, I guess, you know... It think- shouldn't have, but it did. Grindelwald was in the first one? Yeah, but it's like, it was more set up for the sequel than anything else. Okay, okay. So... And just 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 point out the timeline. I guess is also important because um, these movies came out ten years after the gay Dumbledore reveal. Which at the time, if you're J.K. Rowling, you're probably not thinking to yourself, "I'm going to make a ton more of these." And there haven't been. There's you know Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, but that's not a movie, and there's not new books, and uh, it's also not that great. It's also not that great. Um, and so so J.K. Rowling. Let's Dumbledore uh, posthumously out of the closet, and doesn't probably anticipate to have to have it again or uh, have to um, revisit the subject again. And yet, then we had the Crimes of Grindelwald in twenty twenty. It came out twenty eighteen. Yeah, last um, last Christmas, right? Or last holiday, something. So it comes out in twenty eighteen, and the big problem was Dumbledore is back. Now, this is a younger... These are... The Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them series are prequels, which means that this happened before the main series. Well, I guess that doesn't truly matter for the purposes of whenever J.K. Rowling mentioned Gay Dumbledore, but... So, a lot of people, a lot of the pre-Crimes of Grindelwald hype revolved whether or not we were going to have, like, a hardcore sex scene... Between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. I would have been okay with a flashback showing the two kissing, but, you know, that one that one works, too. No, I mean, I really wanted... Well, okay, it helps because, like, dum- young Dumbledore in Crimes of Grindelwald is very sexily played by Jude Law, who's been having a bit of a career upswing again. Uh, he plays Dilf Daddy Professor Dumbledore. He's got these tailored vests and suits, and he's got this nice, sexy beard. Because back in the twenties, men were clean shaven, but Dumbledore is a rebel, yes. and he wears it, and he has a beard. Oh, by the way, the prequels take place in the nineteen twenties, and it's very well. It's very good aesthetic for them. But yeah, so Dumbledore, he's in the sequel to this prequel. And he is a younger version of himself. He is still teaching at Hogwarts. But by the time we see this version of Dumbledore, he and Grindelwald have not been on speaking terms for quite a while. And the next time, if you're a fan of the books, you know that the next time the two of them meet, uh, they will have a big climactic battle because it's like it's what Dumbledore is most famous for in the wizarding world is defeating uh, Grindelwald. And. You know, we are in a post. A lot has happened in the ten years since Dumbledore was outed. Uh, gay rights have made has gay rights and accomplishments and representation have made leaps and bounds in the past ten years. So, obviously, one of the first uh, children's books to feature a gay character, however well it was done the first time around, uh, people are thinking to themselves: Are we going to see Dumbledore and Grindelwald? in love with each other? Are we going to see like what their relationship was like before it got to the climactic battle part and nothing happens. In fact, the director came out, David Yates came out and said that, uh, Dumbledore's homosexuality will not be referenced at all. Not explicitly, not explicitly for either that movie or the prequels going forward. But 
in short, it was just a message. You're not going to see. Did he say the, the all of the? Was that? I don't remember off the top of my head, but let's just say it was just for that movie. Okay. Yeah, because I so for broad, broader context too is um these would be this would be five movies. This would be the second, the first Dumbledore, and the first like with Grindelwald as a major character, I guess, and. David Yates in January of 2018 says Dumbledore will not be explicitly gay, so that's going to be no kissing, no penetration, no, no, you no know. subway fortage. No, he's not going to get him. He's not going to show up with a Whitman sampler and, <laughs> and a you know a couple of roses for Grindelwald. But and not I don't know if it was at the same that same like within the same breath as David Yates saying that, but then JK Rowling tweeted as she often does that it was the second movie in a series of five movies. And we don't know where the story is going yet. So while David Yates is saying that it isn't going to happen, JK Rowling is coming with that. Oh, but there could be some down the line. Yeah. Well, she also, she also hinted that uh, the fan reaction, that they were reacting to something they hadn't seen yet, which was proved redundant anyway, as there wasn't any real gay moment. And Well, there was, a, there, there was touching. She basically <laughs> said the news was fake news uh, about the, the, the fan outrage over not explicitly gay Dumbledore was misguided. I don't think we saw anything in the movie to really negate that as uh, totally fairly guided. There's a scene, um, so throughout the movie, when characters are interacting with Dumbledore, the other characters are saying, wait, if you're so powerful, why don't you fight him yourself? And Dumbledore's just like, I can't. And we're like, throughout the whole movie, we're trying to figure out why. Then there's this one like flashback or vision scene that Dumbledore has of a younger version of himself with a younger version of Grindelwald, which... Side note, they brought back the actors from Deathly Hallows who played the younger versions of themselves back for this, and I really appreciate that because I'm a nerd. One of them was uh, Jamie Bowers something. Anyway, so anyway, uh, they bring him back, and they have this scene where the two boys are like delicately, gently touching hands, and then they like make a blood oath thing, which in a post-HIV AIDS word, read into the world, read into that how what you want, but they make like a blood oath thing and then they put their blood into this magical device. And I'm watching it and I'm thinking, this would be a perfect place for them to have a kiss or something or like they are, because like they're gently touching each other's hands they're looking longingly into each other's eyes. They're very close to each other. I remember being in the theater saying, just kiss already. They have their wands ready to use. Their wands were at attention yeah. at crotch level. Okay. That's like some 1950s symbolism arousal, right there. Arousal spell. So anyway, uh, that's happening. And, but that's it. That is the extent to which Dumbledore's sexuality or relationship with the Grindelwald is even hinted at. And that's where I get pissed because it could have been such a small moment or you could have cut it out or you, it's like, it's intentionally giving off. Like we know what's happening. We know what this is supposed to represent. Yeah. But it's subtext up on the screen, but this is like, like we're past the subtext. We want just actual text just yeah. to show these two very handsome young actors 
They're very close to each other. I'm sure they've been trained in drama school to do love scenes with same-sex partners. Just kiss. And we've, we've, you know, one of the big... We've seen this in Game of Thrones. We've seen this in a lot of places. Such inequality with um, how female nudity and male nudity is portrayed on the screen. Women all the time, you know, full frontal, no problem. This movie could have been a great opportunity to maybe break down that barrier and just have Grindelwald and Dumbledore just really go at it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I you you were going in a direction that I was like anyway. So, well, but <laughs> like real quick, uh, let's let's so yeah, the nudity inequality of film. Uh, last year, I think around Oscar voting season. Uh, uh, Chris Pine was in a movie called Outlaw King. It was one of Netflix's oh, yeah. many attempts. I gave that a good review. Yeah, um, it's a very good movie. It's uh, and there's a lot of uh, really a lot of unsettling violence in it, but it's well shot. There's a beautiful intro scene. But the biggest thing that anyone from this movie was talking about was the blink and you'll miss it shot of Chris Pine's penis. He went frontal in this movie, and that's all anyone was talking about in interviews. That's all good stuff. All the hype around this movie was Chris Pine's penis, which you can like you can't even tell if he's uncircumcised or not. Which he, if he isn't, then that is historically inaccurate and that immediately makes the movie bad. Anyway, so that's that's where I thought you were gonna go. That's what I was preparing in my mind. But then you talked about Grindelwald and Dumbledore getting naked and when you heard uh did you you saw Fantastic Beasts when it came out, right? Um I mean Crimes of Grindelwald. Right. I didn't review it because I I, I've been quoted in full disclosure with coming midway through an episode. Uh, I have written about this in the past. That's not really a disclosure. I've been quoted about it in the past. Uh, I, well, I guess we're on a roll with actual substantive uh, on the discussion. Well, we'll get to that bit later. I, I went into Crimes of Grindelwald thinking that I... I guess the, the, the thing that I've been dancing around is just the... the as, a, as somebody who grew up such a her, big Harry Potter fan, I would go to sleep with the books on tape, literally with cassette tapes. Jim uh, Dale or Stephen Fry? The guy who did it, he was the... the I think they were, they were... Whoever the original guy was. <laughs> Jim Dale, probably. Yeah, that sounds more familiar. Um, And they were awesome. I mean, I, I read the books too, but they were just like something I would like fall asleep listening to. I was... Uh, bit of an insomniac growing up um which is odd because i fall asleep very quickly now but that's beside the point um it it, this has taken a toll i i just i don't go i i guess there's a lot of people out there who probably don't care that much about fantastic beasts or probably like okay it would be nice if harry potter ended we all know why it won't end because it's such a profitable franchise but um I mean, how excited did you get for those anymore, Colin? Oh, I was very excited for the second Fantastic Beasts okay. because I, I really, I legitimately enjoyed the first one so much. Um, is it a perfect movie? No, but I still really like it, and I still watch it just for fun to this day. The second one was actually a severe letdown, though. I was so excited for it that it's, and it's, it's the second one's just, a, just a cluttered mess. Um, and I was really excited for it, and I was excited for young Dumbledore. I was excited at the idea of seeing young gay Dumbledore. Um, 
You were but, you were specifically excited for that. Yeah, that okay. was well. Then I like the characters, but like a lot of it. No, was no, like, no, no. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, 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 that's an important point to make. Just just as a as a member of the gay community, rather unsurprisingly, wanted <laughs> to see that, and it, it it. I always say to people. I didn't care if Dumbledore was gay or not. I still don't really care if he's gay or not. What I do care about is there seems to be something wrong with Dumbledore's uh, homosexuality. He seems oddly forced back into the closet. Like, <sighs> yeah, I, I, and it, 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 it's awkward. I mean, you, you don't. We all have, especially as a as a transgender woman, um, which is, I guess, probably a bit of a different uh, coming out than than just simply uh, coming out as gay. Not that they're, uh, not that either one is particularly fun, but just um, you don't you don't have to go around uh, your hometown and have sort of older people find out you're gay. That's it, not. Uh, it, I mean, I so. It's weirdly, it's there are there are peculiarities in, in, in situations of uniqueness around. Yeah, like my coming out was not something I would honestly want to repeat. I'm glad it happened. I'm a better, stronger person for it. But there is still, like, especially so, being gay in the black community in the time I grew up was not a fun time, and I still. Like, when I do go back to my hometown, there are people who hear things or talk or they don't talk or think about me in the same way. And that's hurtful, but... Yeah. I... I don't know. I I try not to move past. I just remind them they're from a different time, different place, and... and does Does it make you think just... Does it make you think back to the time when you came out? Uh, just sort of how how? Because I mean, one of the one of the challenges before you come out is you have you're you're so afraid of what wor- the world's going to be like afterward. And as Colin just described, I've certainly experienced it myself. Things are different. Sometimes people do treat you differently. Yeah. But um, when you come out and you move, there are certainly been instances where. You see, like, old doctors or that kind of stuff, and they're not really fully aware of what's happened or people haven't seen you in forever. I mean, it's weird for me because I'm online. My sort of online presence, um, it's, it's you Mr. Know, Toad. The Mr. Toad pictures, obviously. <laughs> um, but just just people that I wouldn't normally talk to, I know would probably have an uh, idea that I'm trans. Uh, and you just, you think about... <sighs> I, you never. I never really appreciate the moments that make me think about how I was, you know, first received or um, how I thought that people were going to perceive me and all of that. And when it comes to Dumbledore, you can't help but feel like, why is this man perpetually coming out or not? If he's gay, why isn't he gay? And we 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 kind of know the reason. It's really the foreign gross. Yeah, I, as yeah. It's China, it's Russia, it's Saudi Arabia. Um, 
Dumbledore is straight because he can't, he can, he can maybe, and I, I, I don't even want to say he can be out of the closet in America because Marvel, we don't have, uh, any gay superhero, the biggest thing we get, we'll talk about this later probably, is the, uh, you know, the pathetic endgame cameo, Dumbledore. Well, uh, actually, I will say this in Marvel's defense, uh, Endgame did give us Carol Danvers' new haircut, which is... Oh, great. So we're praising a haircut. <laughs> awesome. Uh-huh. That's Hey, that's that's some serious representation right there. Uh, <laughs> I... Okay. Um... <laughs> I it 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 it's just frustrating from the perspective of, um, what's the deal with this? Is he out or not? And if if he's gay, and if this is the way you're approaching him, what does that say about where we are? Um, he's he's out because Rowling said because Rowling says he is. Uh, well, well. <laughs> if we follow death of the author or any of that I, so I am not Lindsay Ellis I do not claim to be an expert on the death of the author so. I have Barth's uh, there's a Roland Barth's book in French um, with probably within arm's reach of where uh, Colin is currently sitting as we're recording this so after the show we can go through Barth's oh yay um, but it there's a whole nother can of worms that the fandom or people, anybody can open about, about J.K. Rowling's tweets about it. Is Dumbledore canonically gay? We really don't know. Uh, yeah, and that's, that it's is debatable. true. I, I know it is debatable. And that's problematic. But I do, ac- well, no, I do accept that in my own mind, there's enough subtext there to say he is, but not every person is going to see or even want to see what I did. So I have to, I do have to concede that because there's nothing in the text where Dumbledore says he's gay or any variation on that, that yeah, the, he got fanned. His sexuality is fanned officially. There's that. I mean, <laughs> so, so not, not to knock head cannons. Um, people are entitled to, I mean, they're going to happen whether you want to or not. So. Well, exactly. I mean, that, that, that's really the, I, I I personally don't read fan fiction. I know people who love it. That's that's fine. There's plenty of their genres. You know the the great mistake that uh, people make is like, oh, I hate this, so it must be shit. People like it. That's good enough. Um, but as it relates to the actual main Harry Potter series, uh, the answer to the Dumbledore question is really he's gay if you want him to be in your mind. And for some people, for some people, that's enough. For some people, they don't care. I happen to care. I am in the boat where, for me, just because of for sheer sentimentality, I love how you're sitting like Sharon Stone. <laughs> and anyway, so for sure, the crowd can't see, the audience can't see where I'm sitting. Cross-legged. Uh, She's yeah. pulling a base against me. Anyway, uh, so <laughs> the for the sheer sentimentality of it. Dumbledore is gay to me, and that's I. That's is really he gay to the world, though. Um, <laughs> no, but it's for the same thing I said before, and the same thing you said before. Um, 
He's gay if you want him to be in your mind. I don't I want more than that though. I do want more than that too. I'm not saying that I'm not saying I'm like completely satisfied, especially as I've grown and changed as a person since 2012. The world has grown and changed. And but then I do need to remind myself of what you said as to sexuality in the movies because they're really big markets that don't have the best record when it comes to LGBT rights. So I mean that's so as it relates to that, movies are global phenomenon, a lot of them. Plenty of them aren't though. And I think about especially just just to take a step back and talk about the broader politics, uh, a lot of people if you think back to the, you know, the city on a shining city on a hill speech rooted in Americana is the notion that America does things differently. And as Colin knows, as I know, as plenty of people know, a lot of that is a load of bullshit. And, you know, America often doesn't choose to be the uh, standard bearer of uh, freedom and equality and justice and all of that mumbo-jumbo. A lot of times it fails. And... Studios, and we're entering Pride Month soon, so we're going to see a lot more of this happening where studios, ad, where, where corporations will sell us these flags and these hats and all of these things that have their Pride logo on them. And but, Like today. Exactly. Long Beach Pride was today. Um, but we don't... They have a chance to lead, and as it relates to gay Dumbledore, maybe in, in 2007, the Dumbledore reveal was, was, was a big deal, putting aside the, the, the sort of botched delivery of that, it, it meant something that we had this gay character. It means something different now that we have this Gay character who's not a lot. It's like a free willy type situation with Albus. We need to we need to let him out of the closet. It's like the South Park, the Tom Cruise episode. Now I'm in the closet. <laughs> now I'm in the closet too. And then I pulled out my gun. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I. It it was weird. Like today, like when we're seeing all these major brands that are sponsoring Pride, it was. Weird seeing some of them, like uh, Disney was one of the sponsors, but when it comes to, and it purports uh, support for the LGBT community, but when it comes to its own characters and its own brands, uh, there's not a lot to offer. Like um, Andy Mack, a show that had a beautiful coming out storyline of, about a young gay boy just got canceled. So, oh. uh, just got canceled, and that was unfortunate, especially because he had a cute little uh, relationship storyline brewing. But, um, yeah, it's things have changed, and it is just sad that you all, all these companies that want the credit of being uh, queer friendly and moving forward, they're not really beyond just putting rainbows on all their stuff, they're not really doing much to earn the title. Like, Marvel, come on, you can... I mean, in the, well, in the comics, not in the comics anyway, but on the big screen, you can give us something to work with. Like, in Captain Marvel, 
you definitely have you've definitely introduced us to a potential girlfriend for Captain Marvel, but uh, nope, they're just best friends. Very good friends. Like, yeah, special kind of best friend. Well, even I mean, even if you look at representation as it relates to Captain Marvel or Black Panther, not just LGBT representation, but mm. black representation or female representation. Mm. Um, think of how long it took us to get here. And it's not like, especially when it comes to um, black superheroes. I mean, we knew in 1999 that with with Blade, for example, that um, a movie with the black lead could sell. It wasn't rocket science. Mm. We've known for years that movies starring women make money, that women go to the movies a lot. What? Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds stupid to say that, but um, here we are. Where, you know, these these are these are known quantities. We knew these things before. Black Panther comes out, makes a lot of money. Is that really was that really surprising to anyone? Uh, apparently, it was surprising to some people because we heard for so long that a movie with a black lead couldn't make money, and that was always kind of a load of nonsense. Yeah. So I love the CNN uh, documentaries on the different decades, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 90s one dedicated an entire episode to the rise of black celebrity in Hollywood. So by the throughout the 90s, some of the hottest cutting-edge directors, you had John Singleton, you had Spike Lee, uh, they're directing these really beautiful, really fantastic movies. You have, like, the biggest stars were, the biggest uh, leading men and women were Halle Berry, Will Smith, um, Angela Bassett. Like, Hollywood was more colorful than it had been in a super long time. So, and then, yes, you did have Blade. You did have the black-led superhero movie, which... Like, real quick aside, whenever I talk about my love for Black Panther, people are just like, well, we've had black superhero movies before. We had Blade. I'm like, oh, Blade has a black lead, but the world around him is still super white, you know, except for they got rid of Ray Don Chong, so. Yeah, I love, I, I, I pers- I've always loved Wesley Snipes. I love the whole time. Oh, no, he's a fan. He was fantastic. He was Blade. Yeah, I always, I, I think, I look at him now, especially too, because Blade, um, the question of Blade in the Mar- in the MCU has always kind of uh, been there, and I've I, I've secretly been like, you know, Wesley Snipes still looks pretty damn good. I think he could still do the role. I yeah, honestly, I'm not gonna. I'm a little torn. Like on the one hand, I would love to see how Marvel does their own version of it, but hey, sh- what I he, I think he could do a reboot or like a, just well, like a show where he's been like yeah. in the past in the interim ten. 15 years since Blade Trinity. Um, well, they don't even have to, they can retcon that one. <laughs> okay. The first two, I mean, Guillermo del Toro directed the second one. It was really good. But yeah, so like, yes, in the 90s, we knew that black people were just as popular or could sell just as much. In fact, in like, in even in that, uh, the hangover of the 90s or the early 2000s, Halle Berry, after some 70 years, became the first black woman to win in the Best Actress category at the Oscars. And not to um, mention, she was in her own superhero movie called Catwoman. Which, <laughs> which she takes like a champ. <laughs> I, I, I don't, she showed up for her Razzie Award. She, uh, I don't hate it. It's not good. It's bad. But um, I love Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, which are also not good. So it's okay. But yeah, so... That's one thing. So, like, after, 
last year after the af- like when we're in the post afterglow of Black Panther coming out, I'm starting to think of the reality. I'm just like, okay, so is Black Panther? Because Hollywood is full of exceptions that people think this is going to change. This is going to be the standard. So is Black? Are we going to have to wait another 10, 15, 20 years for another Black Panther? Because uh, then, because then the whole point is lost. Then. Well, I mean, I I don't pretend to have a crystal ball with this stuff. Um, okay, you definitely lied on the Craigslist uh, ad. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what, how a Black Panther 2 does. I mean, Black Panther, it grossed over a billion, didn't it? Yes, it is in, still in the top 10 of highest grossing movies. Yeah, so, I mean, most Marvel movies do pretty well. You get some, like, Ant-Man and the Wasp or, you know... Which I enjoy a great deal. I, I do, too, but um, just like that or, or Thor the Dark World or even, I mean... Or even, even the Winter first Sol- Thor. Well, well, I'm talking <laughs> about just box office gross. They don't... You know, some will gross a billion. Some at a more comfortable, like, 600 million, which... You know, is is certainly That's wow. Still, these are still good numbers for the for the franchise as a whole. Well, I think Marvel moving forward is going to pick leads that have maybe the potential to go more toward the billion marker, and they're probably not going to want to roll the dice on something with uh, a smaller ceiling than that. Just from the perspective of um, movies are expensive as fuck to make. Well, I know I, I keep hearing that. Disney is really working hard on its diversity push, which is why um, there's like a cute bit at the uh, during the final battle in Avengers Endgame where uh, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, and Black Panther are playing hot potato with the right. Infinity Gauntlet, and like I've read and I've heard other people saying that that's like foreshadowing that these are going to be the next big three. They're going to be the ones holding up the franchise. So you've got a young kid, you've got a woman potentially a queer woman fingers still crossed because i'm uh i'm just a hopeless optimist and sometimes and you have a black man uh leading the charge for this next phase so i think they'd be in a much better place to take some risks we know we're getting a shang chi movie uh down the line uh, uh no one should be surprised when that makes a lot of money because you know newsflash uh oh a- if, asia asia is a great market for if films. the same market that came out for crazy rich asians goes out for shang chi then it's Game over. White man will be officially done in Hollywood. I mean, that shouldn't be the fact. The fact that a movie like Shang Chi will do very well um, shouldn't be surprising. To no, 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 no. But uh, assuming it's good. But it's like there. So I see, and I'm hearing about uh, the strides that they're going to make for diversity and better representation. But until we, I can't really say for certain until we actually see it. Um, I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping that these things do change. Um, we've also, Kevin Feige also hinted that the true Mandarin is out there somewhere. So that could be well, fun to see. Now that we've, now that we've opened the Disney, uh, we'll go back to Dumbledore in a bit, but okay. now that we've opened Disney, let's talk about the end game scene, which if you follow me, you know that I wrote an article about it. And um, the Joe Russo, who's one of the co-directors of the film, who is gay, he cameoed in the grief scene with Captain America, probably, I don't know, the first half hour, 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's the, like, support group scene yeah, after the, the five group. years later time jump. And he kind of, um, in a very general sense, talks about a date that he went on with a man. And 
if you if you listen to Joe Rus- if you read Joe Russo's interviews after, you would think that like he expected the gay community to just sort of get up out of the seat and just cry uh. over. <laughs> What a magical moment that was. So the first time I saw it, I I was watching and I completely missed it. I didn't realize that. And it wasn't until the next day when I was reading early reviews. I think it was on New Now Next. Uh, they mentioned that the MCU featured his first, the like, Endgame featured the MCU's first openly gay character. And I'm just like... No, it didn't. I saw the movie last night. No, it didn't. It was just everyone we've seen before. And then it wasn't until the second viewing that I was just like, oh, the the person he was talking about on a date was a guy. Oh, I get it. And... I mean, yeah, you, you can say that that was just me not paying attention, but no, I no. could definitely no. That was, <laughs> no, we're not gonna say that. No, okay, okay. Because <laughs> like, I was like, I'm thinking, I'm just like, I remember the next day, I was like, no, it didn't. Blink, blink, and you miss it moments like that. We're supposed to sort of say that with like, you know, special like importance of paying attention. You're at a baseball game, home run, blink, and you miss it. <laughs> Gay representation should not be a blink and you miss it type thing. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) And it's stupid. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, I'm, you know, you've had 22 of these movies. Your only gay character is basically in uh, the the Netflix show, which is canceled now. You've got uh, Carrie Ann Moss's character. I don't remember what. Oh, yeah. She was the... She's only and yeah, she's only gay because her counter comic book counterpart like was a Jerry guy. Horvath or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. But I don't know, Ian. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that that shameless director's plug was that was a pivotal moment. That was, you see, it, it's it is perfect. Yeah. It's perfect because that moment coincides with the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Thank God. And Thank so, God. And you see, and the Russo brothers knew that. And so they created, it was just like uh, with Beauty and the Beast when they had their exclusively oh, gay yeah. moment. So you see, uh, so the problem, I see the problem, like I said, was me. I wasn't paying attention. I was the one in the wrong. So I don't deserve to have the representation. It's there. I just don't, I just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, it. It's. I'm so stupid. It. it I, I. 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 I don't know what we're. What the hell we're supposed to do with that? That gay. Mo- like, as a. As a. As a gay person. As. As a trans. As somebody who can't leave the house. Jerry Hogarth. Okay. I was very close. And uh, when we were recording. Um. When. When I was thinking about how we were going to do this episode yesterday, I thought to myself, because I knew I was probably going to mention that character, I said to myself, look up her name, and I didn't. <laughs> and I was pretty close. I was off by what, like one letter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, I, I was thinking to myself, I, you were closer than me. I was thinking Jerry Orbach. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> no, he was a very not gay. I know, I know, I know. That's like, that just was how far off I was. Yeah, so, so. And we couldn't even get Luke Cage in um, Infinity War either. That's another. Oh loss my for- god, the stupid! I, I've heard the stupidest justification. The Roosters were saying like, "Oh well, we'd have to. We couldn't. We couldn't find enough time to explain why we were there." There are enough people who watch those shows who would who could see them coming out the portals and everything, and then like I, when I was there. Like, people were talking to each other. People were saying, like, oh, who's that? And, like, I leaned over to, so- to say to someone, oh, here's da-da-da-da-da. And they were like, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. Okay, so, like, yeah. or better yet, 
use your phone. You know, the supercomputer in your pocket. No, you can don't look up use your phone during a movie. Not, well, not during the movie, but afterwards if you're confused or if you didn't need someone to explain the post credit scene. You know, the thing people have been doing for the past 11 years and 22 movies. Yeah, it's really, it's it's ridiculous. And that that moment, I just, 22, uh, there have been 22 of these movies. 22. 22. Almost two dozen. And I'm just going to just, I, I, I say that number because that's a big number of movies. You know, that's 11 times the amount of Michael Keaton Batman movies we got. Like there's no these movies are gonna have a hell of a time getting remade or rebooted thirty years from now because yeah. there's so goddamn many. <laughs> there's so many of these, and I say that because in all of those, in those twenty two movies, we got no gay no gay character, no gay character at all, and it's not even like okay, I get it. We you know these aren't lovey dovey movies all the time. Not everybody needs a love interest. We didn't get a single gay character. And they didn't, it's not like they did that well on representation in a lot of other fronts. And there's, you know, too many wormholes in, uh, too many, you know, rabbit holes in Endgame to go down all of those routes. But but there was, uh, there was an article I read on, let's remember Thor Ragnarok, the queerest of the MCU movies. And objectively, yes, it is the most, like... It is the most camp. It is the most queer. If we're not referring to people's orientation, if we're referring more to the culture, I mean, there is the grand master who's implied to at least mess around with guys, at least when he's on his orgy rocket. Um, there was Valkyrie Tessa Thompson's character who was supposed to have a scene where she was waking up the morning after with a girl, but they cut it. And Why did they cut it? That's do, do you really have to ask? Uh, <laughs> Uh, or like they could, they could say whatever they want for why they cut it. They could say, Oh, it's timing. Oh, it didn't fit. Or, Oh, executive. Well, we know to- the real reason. Yeah. We know the real reason. Um, but it was cut and it would appear. So has her, uh, by implied bisexuality. That's pretty much all we've got so far. Guardians of the galaxy potentially could have had, uh, a lot more queer characters than we got. Definitely. Because- Do you think space is, uh, you know, sh- very heterosexual and uh, no. heteronormative? Nah, sex is like whatever happens. It's like it's it's like the Wild West. Whatever happens, happens. There's a lot more broke, and much like the Wild West, there'd be a lot more broke backing in space than you would think there is. Um, it's like. Yeah, sci-fi is this, especially because, like, Guardians of the Galaxy does have that more, like, cosmic or psychedelic 80s, 70s vibe to it. You'd figure that it would play a little less hard and fast with the rules that we do here Earthbound. Yet it doesn't. And, and Dumbledore, it doesn't. Dumbledore doesn't either. Not only can space people, they can't be gay, but gay characters can't be gay. Dumbledore can come out of the closet in 2007, but if he's going to be in China, he better get back in and he better bring one. He, you know, he's going to bring McGonagall to Thanksgiving in China for the screening of the movie because he can't bring Grindelwald. Oh, well, hey, there is a, they are running out of excuses because Taiwan recently uh, legislated uh, same-sex marriage and Taiwan's LGBT rights are just like going up and up and up. That is a very big part of China's market. So you've got a perfect opportunity to represent. Plus Taiwan makes better. Well, I would just also, I mean, 
Joe Russo and J.K. Rowling are both kind of guilty of the same thing, um, in at least my opinion, in in not only uh, missing the mark on inclusion, but then also failing to acknowledge it. And I just saw the Star Trek, the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, and I loved it. And it included a scene where Ira Stephen Bear, the showrunner, acknowledged the shortcoming of the show of only really having, you know, for all its progressive values, uh, on so many different fronts, and there were a lot of them. But uh, human sexuality wasn't one of them, and it could have been because there were characters that were very clearly gay, like Garrick. Yeah, there's... And they acknowledge that. Star Trek has a really, really long history with saying that it's going to introduce queer characters and then not Gene Roddenberry. Well, it did with Discovery, finally, but they, yeah, yes, you're right. But before Discovery, I remember hearing about it. I remember hearing that Anthony Rapp was going to be on it, so I'm just like, well, this is not something I'm going to get my hopes up for because I've, I've been burned times before. They had that weird AIDS storyline in Enterprise. That's right, so, yeah. Um, but, and then before that, you had Garrick. Before that, you had, weirdly enough, I think it wasn't until, Vo- no, I was going to say Voyager. Uh, Next Generation gave us interracial relationships, but... No, all- the original series had the first interracial kiss. Also. Kiss, but not like a long-term. Well, that, like, was a, that was actually like a, cult- I, yeah, that was a that cultural is, milestone. That is a big, that is a very big deal. I'm not going to undersell that, but Next Generation gave us uh, the O'Brien family, uh, that's true um and also i mean this isn't like major progress but um the next generation also gave us the first insul on screen with uh reginald barclay who makes sense because uh the actor who plays him is a big alt-right common <laughs> he was also the voice of mung doll and chowder yeah dwight <laughs> schultz or whatever his name is yeah dwight uh, schultz he uh we, we had our first insult before we had our first gay character. I guess that's kind of fitting. Oh, um, Barclay. He was, he's, he was, he's such a sweetheart. Uh, well, and <laughs> we're getting a little bit off topic. Yeah, okay, so... Uh, back, to, uh, back to Dumbledore. Um, I just... It's, it's, it's frustrating. Um, Colin and I have been to uh, Universal together. Uh, I've been to Universal many times. If you look at my Instagram, you see lots of pictures, usually of Waterworld, rarely of Harry Potter World, Wizarding World of Harry Potter, sorry. Uh, And it's sad because I, I, I don't care about Harry Potter anymore. I care enough to do this podcast, but... I grew up a huge fan of the series. I read the books. And Colin Colin loves the show. Uh, the I movies. love he loves everything the books. about Harry Potter. I know. I Yeah, I've written fan fiction. I've abandoned that fan fiction. <laughs> I've revisited fan fiction. Uh, probably for the best. <laughs> um, I, uh, no, I, I love Harry Potter. And it's because I love it so much that I want it to do better. Well, right. So, so, uh, when we, so I was at Universal a few days ago. And I had a great time. I walked. I, I walked through Hogsmeade, and I mean the the Universal one in, in Hollywood is a uh, lot smaller than the uh, places. It, it has two separate uh, Harry Potter themed areas in Florida, so there's there's the diminished sense of grandeur there. Just uh, but you um, Orlando people, you know. You I've only I've only been once. I've been to the Hollywood one many times, but the the. The thing is, I go there, and 
yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's fun. But I always just look around and, you know, fandoms aren't made for individual people. They didn't write Harry Potter to appease the gays. And yet, as a gay fan, I go in there and I look around and I... It it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like a place for me, and I don't I don't begrudge I know plenty I have a gay person on this show, who doesn't think that way so I know there's plenty of people who do, but my joy of that series has been diminished by this and the series isn't written for me that's that it's okay that those things like I I grew up a huge Star Wars fanatic and I. And a way way bigger Star Trek fan now, and Star Trek has done its problematic things too. So this is a messy. It's a messy world we live in, and I I, I want to be as sort of um, forthcoming about that as possible because at the end of the day, this is my individual experience, and other gay people feel differently. But this saga has cheapened my appreciation of Harry Potter, and I feel kind of sad about that. It's it's weird i i can really now it's like as you're saying this i'm suddenly starting to get and sympathize why there are so many uh lgbt people who stay with the church or the faith or religion that they were raised in um because yeah it's like oh wow this my my experiences are not going to be everyone else's i feel a certain way about harry potter and the wizarding world i do love it it is like I love going to Hogsmeade Village. I love going to Wizarding World and riding the rides and uh, seeing the shows, seeing the performances, going to the one to Ollivander's Wandstore. I love all of that. And I, like I said, I reread the books at least twice a year. I love the characters. I love the world. And I do love J.K. Rowling's artistry. And I still like. I still like her tweets. I like to. I like to laugh. I like to just like roll my eyes at a lot of the things that she makes canon, like the, uh, their poo, their poo. Yes. Yes. Their poo magically disappears. That's That's just like, I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm being trolled and I accept that. Um, but, and I do recognize like you, you told me once there was a, about the, uh, about how JK Rowling doesn't like trans people. And oh yeah, yeah. She has on Twitter uh, a few times like some problematic tweets about yeah. the transgender community. And then there is that. There's been some great journalism about that. Uh, and then there's that scene in um, I think it might be Order of the Phoenix. I could be wrong. Where Ron and Harry try to go to the girls' dorm, but they are magically expelled from it. And I do see that's funny, but then I do see how like that might not endear itself to a lot of people. And, but it's weird. It's like, I still, when I, cause when I read the books, when I re- revisit it, it's that nostalgic, it's that innocent time I get when I read it. Cause like I did have a hard, I did have a hard time reading growing up, um, staying focused and the Harry Potter books were different for me in that regard. And that they were ones that I, forget that reading was a hard thing for me. I was engaged and I, it was like one of the first worlds that I like really got invested in. Um, the movies are like prisoner of Azkaban is one of my favorite movies ever. And it is 
like I did an entire, <laughs> I did an entire thesis project on it. And when I was in film school, so it does mean a lot to me and it, but it does hurt when, uh, it does hurt when I'm not represented as well as I would like to be. Um, it does hurt that they, that there's this, that I still feel like, Oh, I'm still being othered or my experiences or the experiences of a lot of people like me aren't really being taken too, too much into consideration unless it gets brownie points for, uh, how the book is, how the book stands in history, how people will look back on the books. Uh, does that make me a hypocrite if I say that's not going to stop me from reading the books? No, not at all. I mean, that, that, and I mean, that's the challenge. I, you know, with Star Trek, I, with Star Trek, I love it and it has problems and a lot of these things have problems and this is the, this is the reality that we have to deal with and it's, it's, you can choose not to engage with that, but that's hard too, especially for things we loved and things we grew up and loved and these are our approaches to things like Dumbledore have evolved since 2007 when that was like a great moment and it doesn't feel like a great moment anymore because it's so inconsequential and they've butch- butchered it so much since then. But this is, these are things we have to deal with. And I, I, I just, I wish that the people who are in the room, J.K. Rowling is a billionaire. Joe Russo who co-directed the Avengers. That was his fourth time they directed in uh, the Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. Disney obviously calls all the shots. They have limited power. But you sit there from these people in power, and you want... It's okay to expect more, to want more, and when, and when they, they throw you these morsels and say, you know, dance, that you got this, literal blink and you miss it, inconsequential cameo by the own director, that you should take that, and this is a big moment. No, it's not. It's not a moment. And you can still love Avengers. I still love Avengers. I still love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But this is the world that we have to, that, that people like Colin and myself have to deal with, and it's okay to feel conflicted, but would it, it would be so great if we didn't have to feel that way, if they could do better, because they can do better. Well, um, so you know me, and for context of people listening, um, one of my favorite uh, TV shows is The Boondocks. Second only to The Power Rangers. Um, but, <laughs> but one of my favorite TV shows is The Boondocks, and I was watching an interview that the creator of The Boondocks, Aaron Magruder, gave, talking about, look, you know, about uh, it's been nearly 10 years since the show ended, but he had left the show uh, before its last season, uh, which always ends well uh, for the show. Um, but he was talking about the show, its political commentary, its subtext context, and he said something, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but it hurt at the time, but then I, the more I think to myself, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He said that people need to be reminded to care. Um, like, for the most part, people, like, a lot of straight people, they don't really care one way or the other about LGBT rights until they either know someone or are forced to confront it or called out on something they said. And so, yeah, like Joe Russo, J.K. Rowling, they're in that same boat. They're in that same detachment where they are, 
in positions where they can work and they can do their artistry, they can work on their craft and they can be loved and appreciated. And that's great for them, but they are, they're both straight. They're both white. They don't need to, they don't have to think about how, what it feels like to not see someone like yourself in movies or in books. And they think that, Oh yeah, just the one inclusion um, is good enough. It's like, why like every, kids show that I saw growing up, I didn't really notice or care all that much that there was only like one girl hanging out with five guys, uh, in a group of characters. I didn't really think too much about that. And so when I started to watch Steven universe a thousand years ago, I was just like, okay, but what, where, where are the other guys? Why is Steven the only guy? Like, what's going on here? What's up? What? Like, Oh, well, there are definitely more, there are definitely gems that are guys that identify as male, right? no, uh, <laughs> what what's going on here? I don't know if I like this. I feel attacked. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Um, it. I mean, representation in popular culture is important. These are stories, but this is stuff that shapes the. You know, the if you're somebody who believes in the arts. If you listen to this podcast, you probably are. So I think I'm probably speaking to the choir a little bit. But just in case. Yeah, it, it you know, we we help move the the societal ball when we show these things to big, massive audiences. And we show them as normal and we show them as okay. And when you take a character and you set him out of the closet after the fact and you put him in back into the closet before his next appearance, you're sending the message that that maybe not maybe not necessarily we don't have to go all the way to the extreme of something is wrong with that, but you do about this is different. He's being treated different. We're going to not show you all of this stuff. And it's not even like we're not going to have a hardcore penetration scene. It's we're not even going to mention that this gay guy is gay. It's 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 there's something wrong about that. Is Dumbledore top bottom? It, we don't know. We don't know. And we I wish we did. No, he's probably a power bottom. I think he's verse, but before verse was like Grindelwald definitely topped him. Yes. Yes, of course. I mean, that does align with the subtext. The subtext is there. He is the very, you know, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go there. I was going to go somewhere, but I'm not going to because that would just highlight my ignorance. Uh, um, but it's probably smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yeah, the like, the best I can do is like, I can love and enjoy. And, but that is sort of like how, art as a medium moves forward and evolves is that we can love and enjoy things. Uh, we can still love and enjoy Star Trek and Power Rangers, Harry Potter, all that fun stuff. But in our own artistry, we can just say, I want to pay homage to this. This is something I loved growing up, hated how they handled X, Y, or Z. So we're going to change that. It's still going to be mine. It's still going to be mine. And then, you know, I enjoy that for 10, 15 years and then my fans start to uh, realize point and point out where I went wrong and all that stuff. And the cycle continues, but the medium moves forward. Yeah, that's a, it's interesting to see how, because obviously we can look back at the way 
Gay Dumbledore was first handled in 2007 from a 2019 lens, but we can only look back at how not explicitly Gay Dumbledore of the Crimes of Grindelwald was handled in the year. You know, we we, we only have a year to to examine that, and it'll be interesting to see in the next 10 years, maybe Yesterday Illusions will still be around, we'll still do another podcast, and Colin can come back, and we can look at that again, but... Um, all of that seems like a pretty good note to end on. Um, Colin, do you have any final thoughts about Gay Dumbledore you'd like to share? Um, well, he's not a... Final thoughts about Gay Dumbledore. I was (laughs) satisfied. I, I don't know. I keep coming back to when I first read and heard about all this news surrounding him in 2007. And maybe that's why I go easier on Gay Dumbledore than other people would. But if, since 12 years later, Dumbledore is still around, I would like very much to see that reflected in how the medium and you how want, like how a it's full, all changed. You're really not going to be satisfied until... Okay, not a full penetration scene, but maybe a heavy makeout sesh with some light okay. petting. I, I think we can meet halfway into like three inches deep or something. I'll settle with uh I'll settle with a public feel up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um my I mean I it's frustrating. I, I I'm fortunate to still have I actually I, I enjoy Power Rangers too. I don't enjoy as much of them as Colin. I like sort of more the Zordon era. I'm sure we'll have Colin back to do a proper Power Rangers episode down the road, but um I I still have Star Wars as a fandom. I still have Star Trek. I still have, uh, I love like the Terminator, all sorts of that kind of stuff. I'm lucky to have so many of my fandoms still that I had growing up. And I get sad when I look at Harry Potter and I don't really see myself as a part of that fandom. And yeah, that's a reflection on me. That's not a reflection on other people, but it's the product of circumstances that are, were beyond my control. I, I didn't ask for gay Dumbledore. She gave us Gay Dumbledore, and then she kind of stuffed him back in the closet. And that was weird, and I, I can't, I can't walk into Harry Potter world and not see that. And it makes me sad because I would love to, I would love to reclaim the feelings of Harry Potter that I had as a child. Maybe that'll come again someday, but it won't come now, and uh, probably not for the foreseeable future. So, I want to thank Colin once again for coming on and talking. Oh, like. No, thanks for having me on. Honestly, this was like this is very fun, very cathartic, guys. I'm just excited to be here. Oh shucks. Oh well, thank you. For, <laughs> it's always uh, always fun to do a, a uh, in studio interview, which and I say that as as this is our first on this podcast, so uh, that was fun. And uh, so there'll be a second podcast. Uh, potentially, we can maybe <laughs> have you uh, have you back for Power Rangers or another hot topic issue i mean it was good to have a um fellow gay person on because colin obviously has uh differing opinions as me and that's okay because there you know the lgbt community the lgbtq community is bigger than each every one of us we have different opinions and that's perfectly okay and to you the uh listeners out there thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed our trip down uh trip into dumbledore's closet to see what's going on uh Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.